Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Oh, thank you. I I genuinely forgot he said that in the video. So thank you guys so much for welcoming uh, me here this morning. Uh, I'm also joined, like he said, by my wife, uh, Sarah, and our daughter, Brielle. Um, She's the one who was talking in the back during Maddie's announcements. Uh, And my in-laws are are joining us this weekend, too. And so it's just a joy to be here. Uh, When we were here back in October, uh, we just love being here. We love being in this space, love being able to worship with you guys. Um, And so thank you just for the invitation uh, to allow me the honor to um, to speak and share and open up God's Word together this morning. So uh, like Drake said, I I get the honor of continuing in the uh, Summer of Joy series that you guys have been participating in through uh, the book of Ephesians. So if you guys have a Bible or if you want to read on screen, that's okay too. But uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 is really where we're going to be at uh, this morning. And so um, really what kind of what we're talking about this morning is um, uh, kind of a part two to Drake's message last week uh, about uh, life together. And so if you didn't get a chance to be here, watch that, um, listen online. I know there's so many different avenues. Just go to the City Church uh, website. I watched it myself. Uh, I was encouraged by it. Um, I think it'd be great. And it would add some context to uh, some of the things that we're, that we're talking about this morning. And so really one of the things that we're, we're, we're talking about today is, is that joy of following Jesus, right? Uh, I know Maddie's talked about um, joy and suffering. I know Drake talked about uh, joy in community. And this morning we're talking about really just the joy that it is to get to follow Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture that is actually a poem. It's kind of a kind of an interesting passage. And so if you're not really familiar or, or maybe you're not like a, a Bible nerd like, like me, and that's okay. Most people aren't. And so, uh, but, but the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote Philippians. It's really a letter of encouragement. And this is really one of the, the rare examples of poetry. So, so Paul was an academic. And if you've ever been around academics, you know that sometimes that, that creative, artistic side, you know, doesn't really flow out of them, right? Think about your professor of, you know, like history writing a poem. Just very academic, right? Things like that. And so Paul, who's an academic, really writes in this, this passage of Scripture uh, a description of who Jesus is. And, and he writes it in the form of a poem, and, and so much so that the early church would have actually taken this passage of Scripture and, and sang it as a song, just in the same way that, that we sang a song this morning. They would, have, they would have taken this, and it would have been a song that they sang as they gathered together, just really lifting up the, the name of Jesus Christ. And, and so I believe that for those who are in Christ— Right. One of the the best ways that we find joy is truly in following Jesus. So this morning we're talking about this idea of thinking like Jesus, thinking like Jesus. That's what we're talking about this morning. We probably we have a lot of thoughts, right? Like, like, let's just let's just let's just take a second. We know people who have a lot of thoughts and what do they typically do with those thoughts? They like to share them, right? You, you don't believe me? Go find your crazy aunt's Facebook page 
right? And, and she, that's just that you know, she used to type and she sees something on the news. She's like, got to share my opinions on this, got to add something to the comment section, right? Like we, we all think things, right? This is the, the basic, most foundational things we can do is we think and we do. We react to the things that we think about. And this morning, I just want to challenge you with this question is do you think, let's get, get where I'm going there. Do you think that you think like Jesus? And you're like, do I think? Yes, it's very inception. I, I get that, right? But, 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 but really, for just a second, take, just take a step back and pause and reflect. And, and, and hear me, please. I'm not preaching from perfection. I'm not preaching from because I got this figured out. I, I'm preaching because this is what the Word of God says. And I, I want our hearts to be connected in this together this morning. So really take a step back and ask yourself this question. When I go to work, when I, when I, stay, when I stay at home, when I hang out with my friends, when I'm on uh, university, right? When I'm, when I'm driving in the car, you know, when, when I'm at home with my kids, uh, when, when I'm out in nature by myself, right? All of these different things that we do, good things that we do. Do I think in the way that Jesus would think? Do I have the thoughts that, that Jesus would have? Do I have the mindset of Christ? And some of you guys are like, well, Bryson, what is what is it like to think like Jesus? I'm so glad you asked that question. We're going to talk about that this morning in this passage of Scripture. And so uh, one of the, my, my kind of big takeaway as I turn to the television, I love that so much. It's just so much fun. I feel like I'm on the news right now, right? It's this. If, I, if you walk away with anything else, I want you to walk away with this. It's when we learn to think like Jesus, we become more like Him and we'll accomplish His purposes for our life. If I could sum up what we're going to talk about this morning, it's that when we learn to think like Jesus. We take one step closer to him. We come, become more like him. And you are here on purpose for a purpose. God has something for your life. And when we think like Jesus, we become like him and we accomplish his purposes for our life. And so uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this. We're going to take this verse by verse this morning. It says this. It says, have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus. I like the way uh, the NIV says it too, just to help add some a reference. It says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So like I said, this is kind of a continuation of what Pastor Drake preached on last week, which was really a, a lot about life together, our relationship with each other. And so what I want us to just take, this is not the point of the message this morning, but I, I want us to just take a moment and just acknowledge for a second that in our relationships with each other, this is something we have to do individually. To become like Jesus is something we have to do ourselves. Your, your, your spouse can't do it for you. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend can't do it for you. Your best friends can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Pastor Drake can't do it for you. This is, this is a call for you. Every, this is a call for me. Every one of us individually have to make that choice and that commitment that we are going to follow and become more like Jesus Christ. But I want us to realize that what Paul says here is in our relationships with one another. And so as a church, when we individually say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to think like Jesus, I'm going to do the things that Jesus did, when we come together as a church, that is just magnified. And the power of Christ really uh, lives and, and, and shines through us to the point where the church becomes really an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God and for good. And so I just want us to take a second and realize just a couple things. That we can't just rely on, on Pastor Drake to be the only one in this room that follows Jesus. 
You can't rely on, on just someone else's spirituality to be good with God. This is a choice that, that we have to make, that, that we have to choose to have the mind of Christ, the mindset of, of Christ. And, and really that word mindset isn't just like sitting and, and meditating and trying to think better, you know, more positively or anything like that. The word mindset here really is this idea of, of being transformed, of having your, your complete way of thinking changed, right? That, that I used to think this was okay. I used to think this was good. I used to think that this was something that I should do. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, because my mind has been transformed by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit, I now think about things differently. I see things differently. I consider things in a different way than I did before. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this. It says, set your mind on things. Oh, man, I keep forgetting that's up there. I love that so much. Sorry. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. This is the greatest challenge to what we are talking about this morning, is that as Christians, we're called to think about heavenly things. We're called to think about things that are above, not the things of this world. We're not called to think about money and possessions and, and homes and social status and, and job promotions and all of, and nice fancy cars and clothes and all these things. Now, are those things bad? No, I don't think those things are inherently bad, but, but are these the things that we're going to take with us? Are these the things that are in heaven? And so there's a call for us as Christians to not just think the way the world thinks. Read in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus says, listen, food, clothing, shelter, these things consume the minds of those who don't believe in me. As Christians, don't even let your minds be preoccupied with these things. Can you imagine food, clothing, and shelter? Do, you, do, you, do we remember what we need to survive? You need to eat, right? You need to, somewhere to sleep, and praise God, we all have clothes on this morning, right? It'd be really uncomfortable if we didn't, right? That'd just be really un awkward for all of us this morning. And so we need those things. Imagine that Jesus comes and he's teaching, and he says, hey, these basic things in life, these preoccupy the minds of those who don't believe in me. They're so worried about all these things. Yet yeah, I have something different for you to think about. I have something more for you to think about. I have something higher for you to think about. And can I just say from personal experience, it is really easy to let your mind be focused on these things. Because I'm going to be real, like I, I would like to buy a house one day. Please, God, please, right? Like it's expensive. I'd like to have a house. I'd like to have uh, a nice car. I'd like to have, you know, things for my children. Like I love all of these things. And yet when it preoccupies my mind, what is the greatest challenge? is that I'm thinking about things that are on this earth and I'm missing out on the things that are above, the things that God wants me to think about, the things that God wants me to dwell on. And when we think about those things, our mind is going to change. We're going to think about things differently. We're going to, we're going to see things differently. We're going to see our family differently. We're going to see our job differently, right? We're going to see the people around us differently. We're not going to see them the way that the world sees them, we're going to see them the way Jesus sees them. We're going to think about people the way that Jesus thinks about them. We're going to do things that are different in this world. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. So I just want to encourage us this morning, just before we really kind of get into all the points and 
all the, the, the message notes and things like that. This is a call. This isn't to condemn you. This isn't to judge you. I'm not preaching from a place of perfection. My wife is in the back. And if not that she actually would love to, but I mean, like, if you asked her, like, does Bryson do all these things perfectly? She's going to be like, heck, no, he does not. Right? I probably failed on all of those things just getting here this morning. And yet God calls us to something so beyond ourselves, but something so amazing. And so I want to set that before us this morning, that what we're, we're striving after is both impossible and, and yet achievable at the same time. And I know that's like, you're like, what? Well, how does that work? In our own self, in our own flesh, we cannot do this, but in Christ, in Christ, I believe that as a church, we can do these things. And I, I, I really truly believe this. I'm not just saying this. If City Church Boulder, if the people, right, not, the, not this building, not the programs, not all these things, but the people will come together and just commit ourselves in humility and walk before the Lord and say, I want to think like Jesus. And we come together on these Sunday mornings. You won't even recognize this place a year from now. Do you know why? Because there will, the people will be flowing over. The, the, the salvations that this church will see will be too, too great to count. You'll be having baptisms every week. Pastor Drake is going to be passed out on the floor because he's like, I am so exhausted for Jesus Christ. Like, like, and I mean all of that in a really positive way. Maybe, he, you know what I mean? Like, but, but I'm just saying if, if it, it, takes, it takes all of us coming together. And this is a city that needs Jesus. This is a city that needs the gospel. This is a city that needs you. God has called you here at this time in this place on purpose for a purpose. And so this morning, as we look at Philippians chapter 2, as we think, again, ironic, as we think about how to have the mind of Christ, there's four things. There's probably more we could talk about. There's at least four things I want us to, to look at this morning. The first one is this, is Jesus's humility in heaven. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says this, who, talking about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so you're probably going, okay, Bryson, so, so we're, we're supposed to have the mind of Jesus. And so what, 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 who was Jesus? Who was Jesus in this moment? So right this moment in this passage of scripture, Paul is talking about Jesus and his divine glory, Jesus as God in heaven. And so uh, without getting into super deep theology, um, God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all equal with each other, but they're not but they're distinct from each other. Um, if you have any questions, Pastor Drake, I don't know what his email is, but I'm sure he'd be more than happy to explain all that to you in much greater detail than I have a lot of time for um, this morning. And so it says right here, though, who he was in the form of God. And so what that word form means, it's, it's a Greek word, and I'm not going to get super nerdy on you this morning, I promise. The Greek word there is morphe, and that's important because it's also in the next verse, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But what that basically means is, is it's, it's, an out, it's a substance that's surrounded by an outside um, kind of containment. Now, Jesus is not, God's not contained, but the idea here is, is that Jesus was fully God, divine in all of his glory, all of his splendor, and that's something that we really can't comprehend. Like, can I just say for just a second that you're probably thinking, Bryson, why does the glory of God, the, the splendor of God, the majesty of God, the worthiness of, of God, why does that really matter? And can I just tell you that in some ways we cannot fully explain it, and yet when we're really connected with Christ, our hearts feel it, and we recognize 
the majesty of who God is. We recognize the greatness of who God is, and we're, we're humbled by that to the point where we, we bow ourselves before him. And so it's really important to note that, that he was in the form of God. He was 100% God in this moment, and yet at the same time, he did not count what equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so, so really, the humility of Jesus in heaven is this, is that positionally, he was the exact same with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and if you know the Bible, if you know the gospel, we even kind of sang about it a little bit this morning. Jesus ultimately, and we're going to talk about this in the, the uh, upcoming scriptures, but Jesus is ultimately the one who's chosen to come to earth and die on the cross in the place for our sins. And in this moment, what he says here is he's 100% equal with God, but it's not something that he grasped. He didn't cling to it. He didn't hold on to it. It would have been really easy for Jesus to just go, why do I have to go and do this? Like, Father God, you go. Holy Spirit, you go. I'm good up here. I'm good to rule and reign and to do all of these things. Now, God doesn't think in this way, but this is how I think would help us understand it, right? And for us, we, we really tend to grasp on to position. We tend to really hold on to position, right? We, we want to think ourselves higher than we really are. We want to be better than we really are. And yet Jesus in this moment in heaven, he was, the, he, he was up there with God. He was equal with God. He had the form of God. He was God in every sense of the word. And yet he didn't hold on tightly to it. He was open-handed. And he, he ultimately comes in and, and he does some things. But I, but I say that because it's really important for us to see this. That Jesus was every bit worthy, deserving, every bit entitled to not come and do what he did, what we're about to read about in the next couple of verses. He didn't have to. He didn't have to in any way, shape, or form. He was equal with God positionally, but he took the posture of servanthood. He took the posture of humility. And, and what ends up happening next is ultimately what we see is this, and this is really where we're going to kind of land this morning, is Jesus's humility in humanity. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, he says, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. That word emptied himself is, is very fascinating. The NLT says it this way, instead he gave up his divine privileges. This is a mystery to us. Like, can I just, can I just throw that out there for just a second? Because I don't really know how to fully explain what it means when he said he emptied himself, and here's why. Because Jesus was 100% God, and yet here on earth he was also 100% man. So he emptied himself, and yet he retained the fullness of God at the same time. And so you're like, how does that work? I don't know, right? Like, can I just be so real? And there's a lot of really great, brilliant minds out there who have tried to come up with um, ideas and, and, and kind of explain what this means. But the truth is, is there's some things that to us are just a mystery, that God's ways are higher than our own. I don't think, I think if we knew and could explain everything about God, I don't know if he'd be worthy of our pursuit and our praise. And so this is, this is a mystery of how he did this, but ultimately we understand the principle that what he did right here is he gave up his divine privileges. He didn't grasp onto that. Instead, 
he gave these things up. And you might be asking, what did, what did Jesus give up to come down to this earth? Because that's ultimately what happens as he comes down on earth. And so there's, this is not an exclusive list. This is not maybe the end-all list. But there's three things I kind of want to share this morning about what Jesus gave up. And the first one is this, is that he gave up his glory. In John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus is, is praying and he's, he's gone off by himself to pray. And he's praying to God the Father. And he says this. And he says, Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Now, again, we can come back and we can say, Okay, why does the glory of God matter? Why, why does that, that matter to him? Think about what glory is, right? Think about it. It's that, it's that moment of splendor, right? It's the idea of the Olympians standing on the, the first place with the, with the flowers and the gold medal around their neck, right? And, and everybody's cheering in the crowds and there's confetti and fireworks, right? Like, like, like that's the height. Like you're just like, I'm on top of the world right now in this moment. I've just been lifted up. I've, I, people are praising me and all these kinds of things. We don't really maybe fully understand why this really deeply matters to God, but it's a part of who he is. That his glory is something that he desires to, to show and reveal to us, that he desires to be glorified. And yet Jesus laid this aside. And it says that he took on the form of a, of a servant. Can, if you ever read through the Gospels, you'll, you'll see that Jesus did some things that, that even to our standards would just be kind of like, why would anyone do that? He, he washed people's feet. And, and he rode on a, on a donkey, which again, to us, we're like, why would anyone ride on a donkey uh, even today? But, but in that time, that was very beneath uh, them, culturally speaking. Um, he, he touched sick people. He hugged and embraced those who were, who were, who were lepers. He, he ate with the worst of the worst, right? He, he did all these things. And the people didn't praise him. The people didn't worship him. The people didn't go, oh man, there's Jesus. Like, just let's bow down before him. Let's praise him. Let's give him everything that, that he deserved. Instead, they rejected him and they, they mocked him and they beat him and they sought to kill him. And ultimately, he, he, did, he did die. He was murdered, right? That's not glory. Like, like, can you imagine if we thought of the cross like we thought of the Olympian? Like, is that really glory? And he was fully worthy of it. He was fully worthy of, of all the praise. He was fully worthy of, of all the adoration. He was fully worthy of, of all the glory. And it's, it's a part of who he is. And yet he humbled himself and he set these things aside. And so he sets aside his, his glory. It, the verse says that he said, give me this glory. Let me be in the presence of your glory that I have with you without the world exists. I think it's really important to know that what Jesus is praying right here is he's praying, God, God the Father, will you just let me be in this? Like he's grieving this. He just wants to be in it. There's a part of him that misses the glory that he once existed in. I can imagine that was probably painful for him. And so he sets that aside. The second thing is this, is that he sets aside his power. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I think this is a kind of a cool moment to think about 
See, a lot of people don't really understand, but they thought Jesus um, just had all this power. And he did. But all the things that he did, the healings and the turning water into wine and, and all of these things, he had the power to do them. And yet what we learn right here and in other passages of Scripture is that, that Jesus ultimately surrendered his power. It wasn't really Jesus it, who was doing these things. Jesus says that... Um, Jesus says uh, in John chapter 5, verse 30, by myself I can do nothing. What, what Jesus ultimately did on this earth is he says that I, what I saw the Father doing, that's what I did. And ultimately we learned that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus really came to this earth and did for us is he set aside his power. He could have done all of these things, and yet ultimately he, he saw the Father working and he surrendered and did these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us this example of what you and I could do, could be, could accomplish here on this earth if we really surrendered, if we really followed after God. That's the, that's the example of Jesus. See, sometimes we think Jesus was just, he did all these things, so he's untouchable, right? We, we can't do these things because that was Jesus. And yet at the exact same time, Jesus was 100% man. And so what Jesus did was he stepped back and he said, ultimately, I, I surrender to the Father and I work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's really amazing about if you're a Christian, what, you're, what you have the ability to do here today in this room and as you go out beyond is you get the ability to surrender to the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Now, are you going to walk and start raising people from the dead? You know, start, start uh, you know, just, you know, you touch people and they're, I don't know. I really don't. Like, there are some crazy stories out there, and I'm, I, I believe all things are possible with God. Is that something you're going to do? I don't know. But do you have the power and the ability to do what Jesus did? I think absolutely. I think absolutely, because Jesus was a picture to us of what we can be like when we really think like God, when we have the heart and the posture of God, and when we really allow God to do really more through us than we could ever accomplish in ourselves. The third thing is this, is that he gave up his, his riches. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through though he was very rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And so, again, some of us might be thinking this morning, like, why does this matter? I'm getting to it, I promise. Um, but Jesus had everything. You, there's nothing that we could ever give him that he did not already have. He gave up his, his riches in heaven and he came down and lived in poverty. Can you imagine that call? Can you imagine that? Like Jesus, uh, if you read through the Gospels, you, you, know, you learn that Jesus really didn't have a home. He didn't really have a place that he, he lived. He, he lived by the, the donations and the ministry of, of other people, right? Um, Jesus says that he had no home in, in, in the gospel of John. And so, so he gave up everything to come down to this world and to be nothing. He gave up the riches of, this, of, of, of creation to come down and live a impoverished life for us. And so you might be asking, right, why does this matter? Why, why, do, why do we need to care about this? Because I think for us to really have the mindset of Christ, we're going to have to surrender three things our glory, our power, and our riches. Now, some of you are like, Bryson, I don't know if I have glory. I don't know if I have power. I don't know if I, I have riches. And so, so take a step back and, and don't think about what other people have, but that glory, we have to surrender that desire to build ourselves up. 
to be made known, for other people to, to praise us, to think well of us. And don't get me wrong, I love words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation guy. Uh, I don't, so don't hear this in the... I don't need you all to come up to me and be like, Bryson, that was a great job, right? But like, it is really nice just to have like compliments and, and words of affirmation spoken over you. Hey, you're doing a great job. Like, I see all the hard work you put into it. You're a great dad. You're a great mom. You're a great, you know, boss, worker, whatever it is you do in this life, right? But we have to surrender and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my pursuit. It's not about elevating my name. It's not about being well-known. It's not about having more followers. It's not about any of those things. We have to surrender ourselves and say, God, you must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. We have to give up power. And some of you guys are like, well, I'm not a CEO. Um, I don't have anybody who works for me. And yet, don't we all grasp for power and control in our own way, in our own situation? Some of us like to have power and authority over our family. Some of us try to have power and authority over our job. Some of us have power and authority over, over other people, right? All of these different things. And yet we have to come back and say, you know what? It's not about my authority. It's not about my power. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my abilities and my, my giftings. It's about what God can do in and through me. We have to give up our riches. I don't care if you have $1 or $10 million in the bank account. Or some, some of you are like, I got more than that. Okay, whatever amount of money you have, right? I don't care what it is, right? We have to surrender our riches. There's a story in the gospel of a widow who gives what would be equivalent to us as the last two pennies that she has. And Jesus says that she is more blessed because she gave everything she had than the, than the richest person who, who kind of just threw his money to the side now, I, I really truly believe what Maddie said is that we, when you give to the church, you're giving through the church. I think that's one of the best places to, to bring your generosity to. But, but ultimately, 100% of every dollar, of every material possession, of all that we own belongs to the Lord. Our house, our car, our clothes, our finances, our bank account, our retirement, all of these different things, they belong to the Lord and we have to surrender those things. You know the three biggest challenges, in my opinion, that we stumble over, that we fall over, that we're tempted in, is that prevent us from really following Jesus is these three, three things. These are really three things that Jesus was even tempted with in Matthew chapter 5 by Satan for glory, for power, and for possessions, for money. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if you're trying to make your name great. I don't know if you're trying to hold authority and power over your life. I don't know if you're trying to build up the, the biggest bank account this world has ever seen. I don't know what your goal is, what your pursuit is. I don't know what it is you're worried about, but I want to just encourage you with this, that if we're going to become more like Jesus, if we're going to think like him, that we might become like him, we have to lay all these things down before the Lord. Now, I just want to take a step back and just throw this out here. I'm not telling you that today you got to put your house on, on the market. I'm not telling you that you got to give away your entire bank account. I'm not saying you need to go quit your job. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you, will you really lean into the Holy Spirit and what He's calling you to do? Maybe, he, maybe He's calling you to, to take a humble position, just a posture, and just, and, and just really not pursue your own ambitions but God's call on your life. Maybe for you, it's, it's that power. It's that, it's that control. It's that desire to plan out your life. And maybe he's saying, you just need to take a step back and you need to quit asking, what do I want to do? And what do you want to do? 
right? Maybe it is finances. Maybe you've, maybe you've just been holding on and God's saying, let go. Let go and watch how I use your generosity to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Now, I know sometimes you come to church and you think, okay, here we go, right? It's another sermon about how I have to give up this and give up that, how Christianity is just rules, 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 don't, 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 all these different things. And I want to encourage you with a scripture. I'm going to jump ahead in this series and go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And it says this, it says, Paul writes, but whatever gain, whatever glory, whatever power, whatever riches I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I don't care about any of these things because none of them, none of them compare to what I have in Jesus Christ. If, if, if my home was taken from me, if everything I own was taken from me, if my job was taken from me, if all of these things happen, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, it hurts. And there's pain and there's things we got to work through. But I have joy in my life. Why? Because none of these things compare. They don't have a hold on me. I'm not grasping for these things. I'm letting them all go because nothing compares to Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Like, so yeah, so you might be sitting here going, man, if I have to hear one more sermon about what I don't get to do and all the things I have to give up for following Jesus, I want you to know that for those who are in Christ, we believe it's worth it. Like, we don't just think it's worth it. Like, like I could tell you a lot of things that are worth it. You, you, you're, you hop on Instagram and there's 10,000 people telling you all the things that you should do to make your life better, right? Like, that, that's just the reality. Like, if you want it, you can find it. And yet, as a church, what we have, what we believe is the greatest message is this, is that everything is a loss. We hold everything open-handed before the Lord because of the surpassing worth. There is nothing in this world that even amounts to just what? Knowing. Like, I just want to take a step. Do, do we realize we get to know Jesus? We get to know Jesus. Number three is this, Jesus' humility and death. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. In Mark 14, 36, Jesus says, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet... Not what I will, but your will be done. You know, one of the greatest marks of humility is obedience. It's obedience. Like what I love about Jesus is that he, he had all the splendor of God and glory. He came and he gave up so much. And he gave the ultimate thing, which was his life. And you know what he gave it up for? It wasn't because he was bored. It <laughs> wasn't because he had nothing else to do. It wasn't because he was crazy. He did it for you. And he did it for me. And it says right here that he obeyed. And he says this, he says, not what I will, but your will be done. It's not about what I want, God. It's about what you want. Jesus wanted a different way. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. There's another way, God, make it happen. And he says, at the end of the day, though, it's not what I want. It's what you want. If this is what you're calling me, if this is the way, then this is what I will do for them. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for the joy that was set before him, that's Jesus, he endured the cross. So God in his glory gave up so much for, for us, humbled himself to one of the most excruciating, painful deaths that we could ever possibly imagine. And it says he did it with joy. 
Like, we, we don't even do half the things for Christ with joy. Like, can we, can we just be that honest for just a second? Like, some, like, it's not for some, and I'm not judging, again, please hear. Like, can I tell you that when I was a teenager, I hated going to church. You had to drag me to church. I didn't like being there. And yet now it's a joy. Like, we get to be in the house of God. Like, we get to follow Jesus. We get to surrender to him. We get to give back to God's kingdom for the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross. And what ends up happening, ultimately, number four is this, Jesus' exaltation, Philippians chapter 2, 9 and 11. It says this, it says, Therefore, so because of what Jesus did, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and on heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so what ends up happening here? Jesus is high and lifted up. He's exalted. He is, he's lifted up for the world to see. And what ends up happening when you and I, like he, and he receives all those things back, but what happens when you and I start thinking like Jesus, when we take the posture of humility, when we give up things for the gain of following Christ, when we obey the calling that he has put on our life, uh, what ends up happening is, First oh, Peter 5, 6 says this. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the, oh, there it is, under the mighty hand of God, so that God may at the appropriate time, what? Exalt you. Now, Jesus is highly exalted, but when we humble ourselves and think like Jesus, follow him, what ends up happening is God exalts us. So here's, here's the picture, that as I follow Jesus, not go to church, not participate in church, those things are great, but as I truly think and live and act and talk and be like Jesus, as I humble myself to say, not my will, but your will be done, God says he will exalt you. He will lift you up. Why? Not for your glory, not for your power, not for your riches. You've given up those things so that Christ might be magnetized. So it's like a, it's like a beacon. It's like a lighthouse so that the world might see Jesus in and through your life. I believe that if this church will come together and think like Jesus, this church will be exalted in the community of Boulder, that people will look at this church and say, I see that church. I know that church. That church is doing some crazy things for Jesus. And I don't know what it is, but I want to be a part of it. So what do we do? As we wrap up, what, what do we do? Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says this, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want you to know that following Jesus isn't easy. Following Jesus is painful. If you're in here this morning and you're like, Bryson, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I hope this, this has given you just a small picture of who Jesus is. But I want you to know that the call is to take up your cross, to die to yourself, I know you have dreams. I know you have ambitions. I know you want good things for your life, but can I tell you that God wants even better things for you? I know you got plans. <laughs> I know there's something you want to do, but God says, surrender to me and I will give you more. Maybe not more glory, maybe not more power, maybe not more money, but, but the things that are above, the things that we can't see, but we have to die to ourselves. And notice what he says. He says, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's another uh, passage that says daily. We have to do that daily. Every single day. It can't just be a Sunday morning thing for one hour. Every single day. 
If you're not a Christian in here, this is the call. For the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, this is the call. To die to yourself, to surrender to him and what he did for you. That he is the name above every name. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is coming a day on heaven and on earth when every person, whether you follow Jesus or not, is going to bow before him. Because he is worthy of all the glory and all the praise. All the power and all the riches belong to him. And my prayer for you is that you wouldn't stand before God one day and miss it. We get to do this here on earth so that we may do it even greater in heaven. But there is coming a day when that, when that will happen. And let me just tell you one second, my, my time is up, but it is, I know it's painful. I know it's difficult. But God has called you to this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For God called, he spoke, he spoke out to you. For God called you individually to do good, even if it means suffering. Go back and watch Maddie's message on suffering and joy. It was amazing. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. You guys would bow your heads, close your eyes. Um, Maddie's going to come up and lead a time of communion. But Maddie, if it's okay, I'd love to just pray before. just want you to give you a, a moment just to think for just a second. I hope that the words you heard this morning were, were really the words from the Holy Spirit, not from me. Because I'm, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not, I'm not preaching this from a place like I got this. Um, but my, my heart prayer is that this would be a place of pursuit. So I just want to ask you this question. What is God calling you to lay down? What is he calling you to surrender? What is he calling you to give up for the surpassing worth of knowing, knowing God? What are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts dwelling on on this earth that God says, no, no, no. Don't worry about these things because I got you. I, 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 you are mine in Christ. And so think about the things that are of heaven, the things that, that cannot be bought on this earth, cannot be achieved on this earth, cannot be possessed in this world. And if you're in here and you're like, Bryson, I'm, I'm kind of just exploring my faith. I've been coming for a while. Maybe it's your first time here and you're like, I'm not a Christian, um, but I'm, I'm interested in like kind of what you're talking about, what this means. Um, I just want you to know there's some amazing staff here who would just love nothing more than to just hear your story, pray with you, um, and just try to answer the questions that you have and walk with you week, week after week. So I'm going to pray. Maddie's going to come up and lead in a time of communion. And I just want to ask you that one question. What is God calling you to surrender? What is he calling you to give up? Lord, I, I come before you right now. God, and we thank you. When we say for who you are, we thank you that you are, you are worthy of our glory, that you have all power, that you have all riches, everything belongs to you. And yet, Lord, you didn't hold these things so tightly. You loose these things from heaven that, that we might know you and, and become more like you. And so, God, I'm, I'm just asking today, Lord, help my heart this morning, God. Know what it is you've called me to surrender, to, to follow after Jesus, to become more like him, even if it's just one step. Lord, I believe that when we take one step towards you, you take infinitely more steps towards us. So God, now in this moment, as we pray, as we pause, as we reflect and think, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. What is holding us back from fully thinking like Jesus, from really having the mind of Christ? What is it that you're calling us to surrender that we might know you and become like you 
and experience you in great and powerful ways. And we give all of these things before you. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. It's in your name I pray. Amen.